Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, we have on guest Heather Chambres. Heather has called the Sunshine State home for nearly her entire life and has been living in beautiful St. Petersburg for over a decade. She earned a bachelor's and master's degree in communications from the University of Central Florida and initially harnessed her communication expertise in the construction industry. During her time in construction, she sharpened her negotiation skills and further developed her already strong interest in the housing industry. She chose to fuse these interests with her passion for helping people and began her career in real estate. Heather is a realtor with the Platinum team at Keller Williams Realty St. Pete's and is committed to helping people achieve their real estate goals while making their transactions feel as stress-free and smooth as possible. Her top priority is providing the highest level of service by customizing her approach to fit the unique needs of each individual and transaction. When she's not wearing her real estate cap, she enjoys spending time with her husband, Stephen, and their dashhound, Chloe. She loves gathering with friends and family, riding, bike riding, and supporting local businesses. She is also a proud member of the Leadership St. Pete class of 2022 with me, which is one of the oldest and most prestigious leadership programs in the nation. Today, Heather and I are talking about that as your business grows, you have to adjust your processes and team structure if you want to continue to be successful. What got you here will not necessarily get you to the next level. This conversation ties in very closely with the last guest episode two weeks ago with Ashley Schuler when we were talking about processes and standard operating procedures. You know, from that, we can understand what why it's good for a business perspective. But with Heather, we're really going to talk about why it was good, why it's good from an employee perspective. So Heather is a friend of mine from Leadership St. Pete who's coming on to really share some of the struggles she experienced at her previous company and how it differs from her current place of employment. While we're going to talk about things that didn't go well at that place of employment, the purpose of this conversation is not to speak negatively about a company. These are common mistakes made by scaling small businesses and not an isolated situation. And every one of these mistakes can impact your employees and result in your best workers leaving your organization. From a business owner's perspective, you might be thinking, we're surviving. But what toll does just surviving have on your employees compared to setting up a structure that makes it so everyone can thrive and be happy? So let's jump in and learn about the things that didn't work so you can be prepared to scale your business in a way that will make your business continue to be successful, in a way that makes your employees happy so you can retain them and reach the next level you want to achieve. Because growth is amazing, but growth that leads to stress, high employee turnover is not fun. 
but growth that leads to stress and high employee turnover is not fun. Use the tips in this conversation to be successful and have happy employees and to be happy yourself. Because if you're not happy, is your business even worth it anymore? So let's jump into the conversation. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Jamie. Yes. Can you kick us off and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a realtor in sunny St. Petersburg, Florida with the Platinum team at Keller Williams in St. Pete. Um, I was formerly on the administrative side of the construction industry. I have an educational background in communication, interpersonal and organizational communication. I have a bachelor's and master's degree uh, in that from the University of Central Florida. Go Knights. And uh, today I'm here to talk to you a little bit about uh, one of my previous bosses. So I'm excited to be here and uh, start chatting. Yeah. So thank you, Heather, so much for joining us. Yeah, I know when we previously talked, we were talking about uh, experiences. So Heather and I are a part of the Leadership St. Pete class of 2022, class second to none. And so we've had a lot of opportunities to, to talk and learn about each other and our background. So we were talking one day about you know previous work experiences and Heather brought up some experiences she had with a previous employer and agreed to come on the podcast and share us, share us some of the things because what she was sharing, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, these things are so common in small businesses as small businesses are really reaching that point of massive growth and scale. And things are way different than when you're that initial startup and you only have yourself and a few people. So she agreed to come on and share a little bit about, about her experience from an employee side. So we can really learn of how employees are impacted when this this period of growth happens and the changes that need to be made and what happens when change isn't made. So to kick us off, Heather, tell us a little bit about your time there and the growth and the positive things that, that happens when you first joined that company. Sure. So I was the very first administrative employee uh, hired by ownership there. So my onboarding with the company was actually very smooth. Um, I was provided with a lot of one-on-one training and I was given tools and systems that at the time uh, were effective enough to manage my initial workload. Um, and I was also given the ability to build upon those systems independently and the freedom to create some new systems that I thought would work well uh, with some of the tasks that were assigned to me. So because of that one-on-one -on -one training, kind of being the only child at first, so to speak, uh, and getting that attention, I was actually able to catch on very quickly in a new industry. Uh, entering uh, the construction industry and in this particular role, this was my first time in the construction industry. So having that training uh, was really integral to me being able to jump into my role quickly, catch on quickly. And so that was really beneficial. Uh, pretty soon after I started, probably within a few months, uh, a second employee was hired. And then probably about six months after that, a third employee was hired. And maybe like during our conversation, I'll, I'll kind of probably refer to them as like the core team. Uh, the trio of us were able to be trained in a very similar way, very hands-on, very one-on-one, -on -one, uh, a lot of attention from our boss as far as how to do things. So, uh, and, and actually those two other people that were hired ended up being uh, my greatest allies uh, and closest friends in the company. So at, at, 
in the beginning, things were really great. I was learning a ton. I was growing a lot and learning new skills. And with that success, the company was also having success and, and starting to grow pretty quickly. So the systems that we were given in the beginning uh, were still helping us manage our workloads. Uh, but as we were growing, it, you know, it was putting a little bit of strain on us. But uh, as, I, as I learned and, and grew, we, myself and the other two, uh, were quickly promoted and rewarded and given additional responsibilities um, as the company continued to grow at that rapid pace. So in the beginning, things were, things were really good. Yeah. And it sounds like what happens with a lot of businesses, you hire and you hire good employees at first, you rely a lot on those employees, you're having growth. And as you use the words, kind of like the core team, you are this administrative team, you were the core team, the business owners depended on you guys, you were, you were rockstar team members that were doing what needed to get done. That was helping that team grow. And as that team was growing and that business was growing, as you talked about systems, everything, things were working, things were working to get you to this point. But then as you alluded to, things started not working so well. And I think it's like one of those things that's like, what got you here won't always get you to that next step. So let's take a minute and let's talk more about systems because that's something that you brought up. And you mentioned that you had the ability to help kind of create some of the processes and you're given systems and everything, but then it sounds like things stopped being so great when it came to the systems that you guys were using. So tell us a little bit about that. So the systems that we were utilizing initially were very simple. Um, and that was fine in the beginning, but as our workload increased and the type of work we were dealing with became more complex, the plan of action was to take inventory of all the tools that we were currently using and that we currently had on hand and basically make tweaks to those existing systems um, without having to spend much, if any, additional funds upgrading the systems. So for a period of time, this kept us afloat. I wouldn't say that we were thriving in it. I would say that we were surviving with that. It was clear that this was not a viable permanent solution um, and that this was really just a Band-Aid. So with that, was that clear to you or do you think it was clear to other people in the organization as well? Because sometimes I think what happens is your team members are really good at doing their job, especially if you have high performers that are always achieving and exceeding goals that sometimes you don't know when things become harder for them because you got it and you're doing what needs to get done to get through it. And they don't always see those challenges. I'm glad that you uh, asked that because I think that it was clear to myself and the other two members of that core team. I don't think that it was as clear to our boss or the ownership. I don't, I don't think that they had a clear perspective of that because we were doing well. We were getting our work done, but it was putting a lot of strain on us. And we were feeling like our plates were too full most of the time. So then it started to feel like if ownership had potentially invested maybe a little bit more financially in tools, um, like automated project management systems, for example, um, while those can be a little costly, and I understand that, and that can be hard for um, a small business or a new business, I think the benefits of the productivity and the satisfaction of the employees would probably outweigh the cost of the systems themselves and, and you know, lead to a better, better work balance. Ooh, those good old things of time versus money. 
And I feel like that's a trap a lot of us small business owners fall into is we're like, okay, wait, you want me to pay more for a system? But the current system seems to be working. We're getting through it. We have these workarounds and we create this system of workarounds and manual work because we don't want to pay more for a tool. But because we're not paying more for the tool, we're actually paying more for people's time to get through that tool and use that tool. So it's the whole thing of, should we just pay money and, or should we pay through time? And time is still expensive in your business, especially if you have hourly workers, or if you have to think about it this way, every, even if you don't have hourly workers and they're on salary, every moment they spend on X means Y is not getting done. Right. And I think instead of upgrading those systems, you know, when we did start to express, and all of us did at some at one point or another, when we did start to express, Hey, you know, we're feeling a lot of pressure. Like, what can we do to alleviate this? I know it looks good from the outside, but like, we're starting to feel, you know, stressed here. What, what can we do to alleviate that? I think that in, you know, is there a way that we can, you know, work smarter and not harder? I think instead of upgrading those systems, uh, you know, we made those tweaks and then, and then, you know, my boss started to say, well, sounds like we need to hire more people. Sounds like we need more support for you guys, which you think would be a good way to go with it. Um, but unfortunately that created another issue of balancing time between training and workload. So it actually further exacerbated the issue. Yes. Oh, that whole thing. That's always something when I talk to small businesses about training and onboarding team members is you need people on your team, but that, that process doesn't start as soon as that employee starts on day one to be like, we have someone great. We're getting the benefits is that person needs to be trained. And that takes people's time. Um, what we always focus on here at growing your team, when we create onboarding plans is creating smart onboarding plans. Cause one of the things we always say is you and your team do not have 40 hours to sit with someone on week one. So how do you get that person up to speed without taking all your team members time? And that's something that I think a lot of businesses don't think about, especially as you mentioned at the beginning, you got one-on-one -on -one attention to train. The business was at a completely different point at that point in time, and they probably could do that. But now as businesses are getting bigger, you don't have as much time to train and the training then gets put on different people. So tell us a little bit about how that training and onboarding went when you, those new team members were brought on. Yeah, so um, a vast majority of the additional staff being hired did not um, have the skill set to jump immediately into their roles with minimal training. You know, many of them uh, required even more training than we did initially, uh, you know, the, the core team. And with the rapid growth of the company, our boss only had a limited, you know, limited availability uh, to train them as well. So that was kind of pushed off onto us, depending on who was being hired and for what role. Um, each of us played a part in training that uh, individual. So we're balancing now our already heavy individual workloads with, you know, training tasks. Um, so it made it challenging and sometimes impossible to perform either task effectively. So, you know, and this was, this was made worse by the lack of the appropriate systems. So I, you know, we couldn't have, uh, you know, automated you know, project management system sort of helping us push things along while we were trying to balance training. So it took a huge hit on the morale of the core team and also on the new team members. The, the new team members 
had very little vested interest in the company yet. So that led to high turnover because they would get frustrated and, you know, they were like, well, this, you know, this just doesn't seem like the right fit for me. And so we would lose people pretty quickly. So now we've invested time into training folks that are leaving the company within a few months. uh, And then we're back to square one, basically. So the cycle starts over again. Yes. Yes. Oh gosh. I'm so glad like that. That's some things that you shared about and everything that that onboarding and training period is so important for long-term retention. The companies and studies have been, have proved that the companies who have better onboarding and training periods have higher retention rates because people feel invested. They feel like it's the right job for them. They feel like the company cares about them. So you really need to focus on how that period is going to go for your new team members. Cause you're, you're absolutely right. If it doesn't go well, people leave the company. And another thing like that you kind of brought up is like the, the time and everything that it takes is when you're putting training on your current team, they need time to do that training, which means time needs to be taken from something else. So how is that workload going to be balanced? Cause it's important to get your new team members up in trains. And you mentioned one other thing that I want to talk about that I think is a, another a mistake a lot, I see a lot of small businesses make is you mentioned them that the people that were being hired did not have the skill to jump right in. And you did mention that, uh, you also said that it was a different level of skill versus like when you first came in. But when you first came in, you mentioned that you were new to the industry, you got a lot of that one-on-one attention and they helped get you to where you needed to be in order to do the, the job well. And they gave you that time and attention. When teams are smaller and companies are smaller, a lot of times companies can do that because they can help groom the employee that they need and really look for those transferable skills to say, okay, this is a person that is capable of that. There's sometimes this this, um, period where you want to repeat that success as a business and say, we can bring in people with transferable skills. But at the same time, when you have that person come in, you expect them to quickly be at the spot where your team members are and your team members have been with you for a long time and they have trained and they know you, they know your processes, they know your systems, and you have built those team members up to the certain level and you don't give the opportunity for those new team members to actually get to that level. It's like out the gate, you're supposed to be here, but they're not there and they don't have the capability of being there yet because they haven't had that robust training. So you need to look at it and say, do we have the capability of taking someone from A to Z? Okay, if we don't, we can't hire the same person we would have hired a year ago, two years ago. We need to hire someone who's closer to where we actually need them to be performing. Because who you need in your idea candidate changes, even for the same position as your company grows. Then companies can get to an even larger size where you have more robust training and you're able to bring people in that once again are on that, they need a lot of training and handholding, but your company is able to do that to get them where they need to be. So you can take people from A to Z quickly because you have dedicated staff and dedicated systems and everything to train them. But there's sometimes that, that messy spot in the middle where you have to look at, I, I don't want to say not necessarily, um, higher skilled, but more specialized in what you need, able to get where you need to quicker. And that could be one of those problems I was facing is they didn't go, they didn't realize they were in that spot where who they were bringing into the door needed to be different. So they were probably looking for another Heather being like, Heather came in with this background, this experience. So if we hire someone like Heather, we can get them to Heather today quickly. And that wasn't going to happen with what was available. Now, 
I want to jump to talk a little bit about your current company because your current company, when you went to them, they have a very robust training. Now, as Heather talks a little bit about that, I just want to like put this note out there is it's a much larger company. So for as a small business, you're not going to have this robust training right out the gate. It's going to take you a while to build to this, but this is how to go from that one-on-one training with the boss to a very robust training. So tell us a little bit about the training you experienced when you went to your new company. Yes. So, and I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, it's a much larger company. Keller Williams, um, you know, is one of the largest brokerages by agent count in the world. However, um, I can talk about two aspects of it. I'll start with Keller Williams, and then I'll kind of explain how the training within my team works a little bit, uh, because that's a much smaller scale. So Keller Williams training program is absolutely what initially attracted me to the company. Uh, it's industry leading. And they're very good with teaching you the basics. So you come in and you have like an eight week program that teaches you all the basics of real estate and uh, how to use the technology and the systems that Keller Williams provides uh, like a client relations manager uh, to leverage that to make your business uh, easier to run. Um, I think that the single most important aspect of the training program that they offer uh, for our conversation today is the fact, and, and of course, like you said, this, this is on a larger scale, so they're really able to do this, but they hire salaried leadership specifically tasked with training. So, and, and sometimes they'll do a little bit of production on the side, but their main goal is to train new agents. So you're not dealing with training staff that is trying to balance a huge workload alongside the training program. So they, it, Keller Williams also gives you the opportunity to build and join teams. So within your office, within your brokerage, you have the ability to either be a solo agent and run your own business, um, or you have the ability to join a team. Um, and if you join a team, those vary in size, but generally you're looking, you know, maybe at like four to 12 people. Um, so a smaller scale and a very similar size to uh, what I was uh, in in my previous employment, but uh, my team leader acts more as a mentor and a coach than a boss and, and an accountability partner. And so I think that, that that has helped a lot. There's been, you know, one-on-one training and also group training. Um, but I, I think that the ability for Keller Williams to actually have dedicated training staff uh, has really been a difference maker. And, and of course, just having a training plan and a system for that training plan really laid out concretely. Uh, I felt like at my previous place of employment, it was kind of my job to figure out how to lay out the training program, but like also I was trying to do my job at the same time and the training. So I was like trying to create a training program simultaneously while I was training uh, people. So that was extremely challenging. Right. Yeah. And having those dedicated training people is very important, especially if you are in rapid growth or you reach the size where your company is always hiring, just because even if you have good retention rates, there's always that turnover or always people being promoted. So you have new people coming up through the organization. And so it's not something you, you can always have when you're a small company, but you'll possibly reach a point where that is needed. And you can do things in between to start preparing you to have that. Even having a team member where they are your dedicated trainer, 
and knowing that when some they're training someone, that is their main responsibility. And these other things that they're responsible for, maybe projects and stuff like that are going to be put on the back burner and telling them it's okay because training is important. You mentioned having that, that mentorship and everything that is there. So the person who's really invested in your success in a way like they want you to succeed and not necessarily looking at like, oh my gosh, I have to train someone today. Like, where am I going to find the time for this? This is overloading me. I don't, I don't want to do this. It's like, no, they're invested in your success because they want to see you succeed in the company and as a person. And I think the other thing, as I'm trying to remember, if you said this, like when you introduced yourself, when you switched over to real estate, it wasn't like you had a background in real estate and you're like, let me just go do it someplace else. You came from the construction industry. So you're probably a little familiar about real estate in general, but you hadn't been a realtor before. So you were really, once again, learning from the ground up and how to perform in a new industry. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, I, I look at construction and real estate as kind of like cousins. Um, so I had a lot of transferable skills, uh, but there was still a lot for me to learn as far as how to run a real estate transaction and, and the ins and outs of really running my own business because it, depending on what kind of brokerage you join or what approach you take to it, uh, the approach that I take and the approach that Keller Williams takes is they give you the tools to create your own business and run your own business. So I'm, I was learning how to run a transaction and just how to actually run a, a small business. So yeah, I, I definitely was given the tools to, to, to learn how to do that and, and to learn how to be a realtor. Um, and so I feel like I got that same training when I, not the same training, but the, the same level of training when I came into my position in construction, but then it fell off, you know, as we grew. Um, whereas Keller Williams has scaled from, you know, uh, a, one, a, a one office brokerage to this huge worldwide uh, company um, and has managed to scale up their training to meet the needs of their, you know, growing company. Yes, yes. And the other thing that where it makes it really important for you to have dedicated training staff when you can reach that point within your business is not everybody is good teachers. So just because someone's a rock star at their job doesn't mean they'll have the ability to teach someone else. You know, for uh, like a personal example here, I know when I was in um, high school and everything, math was always my best subject. I was always like top of the class with math, straight A's between 98 and hundred on most tests. So, and advanced math. And so I got asked to tutor and I just remember sitting there and being like, what do you mean? You don't understand this. And I didn't know how to explain it. So I failed at being a tutor because just cause I could do it doesn't mean I could teach it to someone else. And I also learned that the hard way when, uh, we had to virtually teach our children when back in 2020, when all the schools were closed and it was just like, I have no idea how to teach someone like teach a first grader, simple like math stuff, because to me, it's so easy. So your best team members are not always going to be your good trainers. So just putting it onto their plate because they're doing the work doesn't always work. So sometimes you have to set up those systems and everything where it's, here's how to train them. Now walk them through the training plan versus like that person coming up with how to train those new team members. Right. There's that challenge. And then I think there's the other challenge of you have some people who are good at teaching, but if their work, if their regular workload's too heavy, then they don't have the ability to actually, you know, flex that teaching muscle to where, um, you know, they're able to 
effectively teach because they have too much else that they're, you know, they're concerned with or distracted by. Yes. Yeah, exactly. If, you know, if your boss is breathing down your neck because this isn't getting done, but you're like, but, but I was in four hours of training today. What did you want me to do? And your boss is an understanding of that. Then as an employee that stresses you out. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about change because I know when we talked, you would say you would bring up some of these issues to your boss and your boss would listen and would try to support you guys. But often that was the boss trying to take on stuff themselves in order to alleviate the pressure on you guys. But that wasn't a long-term solution and it ended up causing problems because it was just shifting the problem somewhere else. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it led to a lot of tension um, because, you know, we the core team was getting exhausted and feeling burnt out. And, um, you know, our boss would offer to take some things off of our plate. And then our boss was already spread thin before taking things off of our plate. So it would be a situation where then, you know, my boss would be completely overloaded and uh, things would end up eventually having to shift back because it just wasn't sustainable for anyone. Unfortunately, because of that cycle of taking it away, it was like it was taken away for just long enough, long enough for us to catch our breath, right? And then once we caught our breath, then we kind of had to take some of that back. And when we took some of that back, you know, it would start to compile and compile. And so it just led to kind of a cycle of letting my boss know, hey, I'm burnt out, having that taken away, and then it would come back eventually. And so um, the burnout would continue to resurface. Uh, so we weren't, we weren't solving the problem. Again, we were band-aiding the problem uh, and not even in a super effective way. So eventually it just came to a head. And unfortunately, all three of the core team members for different reasons at different times uh, ended up exiting the company. So the, none of the three of us um, are with the company anymore. Yeah. And, and that's what happens. Like when you don't fix the problems within your company, your core team will eventually leave because they have faith in you. They want to support you. They, especially if they've been there for a while, like they really value working for you, but there comes a time where they don't feel that anymore. They don't feel like things are changing for the positive. They feel like things have changed for the negative. They feel like they've held on as long as they can and something needs to change. And I'm sure with the, that process at first, when the boss would first take things on, you probably felt good that the boss is taking things on. It was like, yes, thank you so much for helping me. But then as time went on, you learned that pattern. The boss takes things on, they do it for a little while, and then it's just going to come back to your plate. So it's kind of like, thanks, but I already see what's coming down the, down the road. I'm going to get this small little breath and then whew, I'm slammed again. And so it didn't probably give you that same sense of relief. It was just like, you knew, you knew it was a bandaid. You knew it wasn't a long-term solution. And you knew that sooner or later, you're going to be right back into that, that overload period again. Right. Yeah. We would get talked off the ledge basically. And then, you know, we would have to pull it back. And, and after a while, you know, I started to realize that pattern and it got to the point where you know, I, I couldn't sustain that anymore. And so, you know, I would go to them and let them know, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this way and I can't do this anymore. But the three of us, like you said, we're fiercely loyal to the company. We really were. And we loved the company and 
we were really invested in it and we wanted it to, to continue to be successful. And I didn't want to leave. I really didn't. When I left, I really didn't want to leave. I, ha- I had to, because it just wasn't, it wasn't a good situation for me anymore. Um, you know, when you have a situation where your employees' mental health is suffering, you know, to the point where it's affecting their daily life, then they're not going to be as effective, you know, and we're not going to, you know, the employee satisfaction and the culture just really shifted. Um, We went from a really excellent culture to where when we would interview people and bring people in, uh, because sometimes I was allowed uh, to participate in the interview process, uh, you know, people would ask me, what's your favorite part about working at this company? And I would say the culture. And then that, that changed. And when that changed, I realized that that, you know, that was because of, of this tension and this cycle. Uh, and it was unfortunate. Yeah. And it happens. You know, I know Heather, I believe you and I have talked about this. Like when I left my corporate job, I loved the corporate company I worked for, but when I told my husband that I was, I wanted to leave and one of the first things he said was good. You haven't been as happy lately. You've ever, you, you went from like loving your job that you still say you love it, but every time you talk about it, you're saying something negative. And I didn't even realize that at first because that wasn't why I was leaving. Like I wasn't pushed because of that, that negative yet. But when I reflected back after he made that comment, I was like, wow, things really are starting to change. And I don't feel the same way about it. And for me, it was a short, it was a short period of time. I can tell you, I could go and say exactly when that, that went from positive to negative. And I think it would, I would have only, it would been a temporary thing because things were getting ready to change again, but I was leaving for other reasons where I realized, Hey, I finally want to reach my goals, but yeah, that can change. Like your, your loyal employees, your good employees can start feeling this, this stress and this negativity that that's impacting them. And sometimes it takes a while for you yourself as the employee to realize it. But once that employee realizes it and what's causing that stress, they're going to look for solutions. And if you're not giving them solutions inside the company, they're going to go elsewhere. And one of the other things that I wanted to, to mention is we talked about like the boss taking over the workload, but then it going back to the team. And I don't want anyone listening to this and saying, so if my team's overloaded, I shouldn't be helping them out. And that's not the case. Like take that work if you can from your employees. It's just, you have to look at this and say, is it just a moment in time where things are overwhelming because all projects are, are coming to a head at once? And it just happens to be this, the short little cycle. And once you get through this, things are going to be back to normal. If that's the case, yes, definitely help them out. Take them, take on that additional work. If you're expecting your employees to work extra time, you better be working extra time too, to get, get through everything. If it's something where that is continuing, because that's the state that your business is in right now, you have to look to say, how can we solve this long-term kind of going back to the systems? How can we upgrade our systems where things are automated? So it takes less manual work to get stuff done. How can we do, how can we uh, bring the right team members in? So we have the right support to, to deal with this extra workload. Where do we need that support? And maybe it's not just hiring a second person for a position you already have. Maybe it's hiring a more junior person, a more senior person. So people can be dedicated to certain portions of that workload. It's figuring that stuff out. So that way you can create that long-term solution that's needed because yeah, you as already overwhelmed boss taking on the work long-term is not the solution and just temporary taking it off your team to just throw it right back at them is not the solution either. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up, you know, is this a temporary thing or is this something that's happening consistently or cyclically? 
And I think that sometimes that's industry specific. So with construction, that was a challenge uh, because construction goes in waves. It's like a roller coaster. You'll be really busy for a period of time and then you'll have a lull and then you'll be extremely busy again and you'll have another lull. So I think it was a struggle for my boss to say, well, how can I justify hiring X number of people to do X things if I know they're only going to be busy, super busy for X number of months and then there's going to be a month or so where there's going to be a lull and like, what am I going to do with them type thing? And that's where I think upgrading the systems and maybe not hiring as many people um, might have been the solution because in the peak of our workload, it would have helped us work more efficiently. And in the lulls, it might have given us, you know, the ability to then manage what we did have with our systems and then maybe take one new person on and be able to focus on training that new person very effectively during the lull. I think timing and that balance between systems and hires was just a a challenge for my boss to figure out. Right. Right. And that's one of the things like you, if your uh, industry is on those like peaks and lulls, peaks and lulls, you don't want to be hiring at that peak. You want to hire beforehand so that person can be trained to help your team at that peak. And also uh, one of the things to think about is well, really two ways to think about this is like, if your if your business and industry is like that, really busy, then not busy, really busy, then not busy, hire workers on a temp basis, hire the people you need to get through that with the understanding that that position will end at, at a certain period of time, unless there's a change in the team. So someone leaves and okay, that person can have that permanent position. Temp positions are workable for a lot of industries and everything. And sometimes people are just looking for a short-term assignment. So find those people and to get additional help if that is feasible. The other thing to think about is measuring out those, those peaks and lows. And what if you look at it across the entire year, what you can afford employee-wise? Because sometimes, especially if you're a scaling, growing business, there's things that don't get done during that peak time that then can get done during that lull, those additional projects, those switching over to different systems and different things in the company that are going to make you a stronger business and be able to take on more business during that next peak. So sometimes we have to look at it as like, okay, we'll be really busy here with client work, not so busy here with client work, but what else can be done during that time? And how can my team support that additional work that's going to be done during that time that might be slightly different than their normal assignments, but you hire them with that intention is you're going to do this during this time. And other times you're going to be helping us with special projects, for example. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Heather, this has been so great. Like, thank you so much for your willingness to come on and talk about all these topics. You know, it is, this is so important because as someone who works with a lot of small business owners and everything and community, community of small business owners, we always look at things from the business owner perspective, and we really need to understand how it impacts the team members. Because once you start hiring and growing your team, your team is really the core of your company. And you want your rockstar employees to stay on your company. You want them to be happy and feel valued and not be going home every day stressed out. And just remembering that what got you here is not always going to get you to that next level or sustain you at the level that you are now. So you do need to look at is 
how can we change our systems? How can we improve the way that we've been doing things in the past? Because we are at a different place now, because you can't always stay with the status quo because the status quo doesn't always work in your new environment that you are as a business. So make sure you're taking the time to reevaluate everything that's going on in your business and even talk to your employees, get their perspective, find out what's working, what's not working. So that way you are aware because like, like Heather and I talked about, sometimes you have those rockstar employees that are going to get through things and not always bring things to your attention because that's what they do. There are those self-driven people. They're going to figure it out, but it can still be overwhelming for them. So make sure you have an environment where it can be those open conversations. So you know, what's going on and how your team members are feeling before it's too late. All right. So once again, thank you, Heather, so much for joining us today. Tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. You can get in touch with me. Um, you can give me a call at 561-213-5510. You can shoot me a text. You can also email me at heatherchumbris at kw.com. Um, on social media, Heather Chumbris, St. Pete Realtor. Um, so any of those ways, or you can certainly uh, you know, shoot Jamie a message and she can help you get in touch with me too. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd love to, to connect and uh, thank you so much, Jamie, for having me today and for giving me the opportunity to be candid and open. And hopefully, uh, I, I hope that, you know, at least one small business owner or one team member of a small business or anyone, you know, gets gets a lot of value out of this. And that if we, you know, if, if that helps one person, hopefully lots of people, then I feel, you know, like this, we, we've accomplished our mission today. Yes. And I just want to put out a shout out for, for Heather. So we are in St. Petersburg, Florida, which real estate has been crazy. Like the, this last year, two years and everything. And I know it's been going crazy a lot of places around the country, but I think here, I think we're at like one of the records for increasing in home prices and everything. So it is just a crazy market and everything. And one of the things that really impresses me about Heather is she goes, all right, I have a client that comes in with their wish list, and they're on like, what you would typically say would be like, okay, that seems like a good healthy budget. But for these last few months, definitely you're like, oh my God, good luck finding them a place with all that in that budget. And Heather's like two days later, she goes, we're under contract. So she is definitely uh, able to find her clients what they want within their budget without having to break the bank. And it's, uh, it's always great to hear her success stories. Thank you so much for the shout out, Jamie. That is a huge part of what I like to do is, you know, I want people to, I want to help people achieve their real estate goals. I want to make it stress-free. I want to make, even, even in this market, you know, people are often really intimidated by this market, which is completely understandable. Um, but I like to make it easy to digest and easy to deal with and take the stress away from that. And there's lots of ways to make offers in this market for buyers uh, more attractive uh, other than the price on the contract. So if anybody's curious about how I do that and what my strategies are, reach out, connect with me. I'd love to talk to you. Yes, definitely. Because I think you've even shared a few times, you're like, we weren't even the highest offer on the table and we still want it. So Heather does have those tips and tricks to make offers attractive and be able to compete, which if you're looking for a place in St. Pete, she's definitely a realtor you want to reach out to. All right, Heather. Final question that I love to ask all my guests. So we've all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us, whether in our personal lives or our professional lives. So think of a leader or manager that has stood out to you and share with us one thing about them. I will. Um, actually, 
And I, you know, I know that this is very current, but I, I would like to say that my current team leader on my real estate team, the platinum team, uh, his name's Ron Platt. Uh, he's a wonderful guy, wonderful human and a wonderful realtor. And, um, Ron has made a huge impact on my life, uh, not just my business life, but my personal life. Uh, Ron, when I said earlier in our discussion that he is more of an accountability partner and more of a coach and mentor than a boss, I really meant that. Um, I, I don't, I've never had um, anyone professionally in my life who has looked at things so holistically. Uh, when we have conversations about my business goals, we're not just talking about my business goals. We're talking about my professional, my, my personal goals, my professional goals and how those mesh and how to balance those things. And we have, he has just provided leadership and knowledge in, in both personal and professional uh, paths of my life that have really helped me just develop myself and grow and uh, growth can sometimes be uncomfortable. A lot of times it is, but he has made that uncomfortable growth feel more comfortable and i've i've just gotten so much from him so i'm very grateful to have him as a mentor and a coach and he's he's really really affected me good oh that's so great to hear and it is one of those things like some of the best leaders are those that care about you as a whole person and not just for the workout that they're producing that person's producing for you and i feel like that that's great and i know i hear you talk about ron all the time and one of the things that i like about about heather like being on his team like sometimes we'll talk about things and she's always like you know, let me check with Ron. Like she really values his opinion. Like, here's my opinion, but I'm going to check with him to see if he has something else that he would offer about this. But we just have like a uh, random conversations about things and that, and I feel like that's also a good sign of like, when you've really built that relationship and have a great impact on someone is that person values their values, your opinion. So like, when we have these, they're, they're what off conversations. And she was, she's always like, you could just, you can just see from Heather when she talks about him, that she really values him. Like she, um, you know, and everything that this person is making such a big impact and, and everything. And that's, you want those relationships as like, as a leader, you want people to exude that, that greatness, even when you're not around. Absolutely. There's tons of trust there. And as much as he is leading me, he also gives me the independence to lead myself and to, you know, get out there and go for it. But it's so comforting to know that I've always, uh, have him as a resource and as a motivator and, and as a source of knowledge and encouragement. So definitely, uh, has made a huge impact on me. Good. All right, Heather, thank you again for joining us today on the growing your team podcast. Jamie. Are you ready to hire a new team member for your business? And you want to ensure you hire the person who can succeed in the role, make you happy, and positively impact your bottom line, then set up time and let's talk. Because this is exactly how I help business owners like you. When you go through my hire framework, not only will you learn how to attract candidates who have the passion you desire, but you'll be able to identify and select candidates who have the skills you need and can succeed in the role. Going through this consulting process not only helps you find the right new hire for your current open position, but it teaches you how to repeat this process with 
every new position you add to your company as it continues to grow. So if you're a small business owner who is ready to hire, has a rough idea of the position you need to add, and you're tired of going through the hiring process only to end up with bad fitting team members, then let's talk. Send me an email at jamie at growingyourteam.com. That's jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at growingyourteam.com. Or head on over to growingyourteam.com slash jumpstart. And let's talk about your hiring needs. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com. To connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.